0: Hi, I'm Josh van Buerkle. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. What I wanted to do this morning is I actually want to spend a little bit of time. um, I've got some nice glasses of dirt. So if you're a fan of dirt, I have some. You can have it afterwards. I'll sell it to you. Um, It's really cool. Who can remember... Uh, for the term one here at Activate Church, what was the theme that we're... Now, put your hand down. Um, Someone that's not the pastors. Um, Humility. Okay, so we were looking at humility for the first term because, you know, we've been camping around this passage of Scripture the Holy Spirit sort of gave to Josh at the start of the year, which is 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray... And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear them from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And so, term one, we were looking at humility, term two, we rolled into prayer, and now we're into seeking God's face, which is intimacy. So, I want to talk around intimacy this morning, but what I want to do is I want to jump back for a moment and I want to build on what we were sitting around in term one, humility. So for the people that have got phenomenal um, memories or they just have their notes, term one, we camped around a few statements like a humble person does such and such. Who can remember? What are some of the, the signs of a humble person's lifestyle? A humble person, I remember one of them, a humble person waits on God. Who can remember any of the other things? I know we're going back like five months here. But who can remember? Any shout outs? Yes. A humble person knows that they can't do you know can't do anything without God. What were some of the other statements of a humble person? I've got I'm honestly only give away some dirt if you can get it right. Josh is frantically looking through his notes, seeing if he can remember what he preached on. That's always a good sign. Good gravy. Well, I preached a couple. You could have taken notes on those. Well, they weren't noteworthy. Okay. <laughs> We're going to do a quick competition. This side of the room versus this, this side of the room. First one to get one, um, you win and become the better side of the room. And I'll you know, be nice to you while I'm preaching. Okay. Quickly, a humble person. That's right. A humble person like walks in relationship with one another. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Moral of the story is be more like them. Okay, special lucky. What's your excuse, bro? Like, just tap into Holy Spirit and just know. Okay, I want to touch on humility because the opposite of humility is pride. Okay, and one of the things, well, the the thing that I felt the God wanted me to speak into this morning was was pride and the essence of how we need to remove pride from our life to create space for Holy Spirit to fill us. See, sometimes when I think about God, I think God is the ultimate real estate agent, okay? He is just always looking for space to occupy. And you think about God, I mean, like, He is so big that all of space cannot contain Him. You know, so you gotta think, like, if you're the God who all the space still isn't big enough for you, and then you have somebody that you've died for create a bit more room in their heart, how hungry would you be to fill that extra bit of space? So when we look at intimacy, there's not really any sense of pressure of us trying to convince God to come into our life more. Like, there is no point where we need to try and go, God, I just need you to love me more. God, I just, I need you to fill me more. Like, there, we don't need to encourage him in that area at all. He is desperate for more space to fill in our life. What he is wanting is for us to create space. And so this is, I want to show we illustration, okay? These are my, these are my glasses of dirt, okay? A little bit of dirt, quite a bit of dirt, And a lot of dirt. I feel like I'm teaching in Sesame Street this morning. And this is no dirt. This is great, okay? So these actually can represent elements of our life. And I'm talking about pride this morning, but this philosophy, this translates through to trauma, to shame, to grief, to bitterness, to unforgiveness, you know, all these different things that we have in our life. So Josh this morning was talking about putting up walls. You know, that's a great visualisation of putting out walls that we put in our life to keep ourselves safe. And the problem with when we experience pain, experience trauma, experience hurt, instinctively our heart starts to put walls up to keep ourselves feeling safe because we've been incredibly vulnerable. The problem with walls is that they're not selective. When we put a wall up over our heart to stop, um, you know, uh, anxiety coming around us, um, it does, the wall doesn't go. Oh, I'm going to keep anxiety out, but it's okay. God can come in and whenever He wants into this part. The wall just blocks out everything. Uh, and another way that we can look at it is actually that we have stuff in our hearts that's taking up space that God is wanting to fill. And so, you know, let's just say for a moment that this is the Holy Spirit. And so we're going, God, I, I want intimacy with you. I, I want to be so connected with you that you're filling every fiber of my being. God goes, great. I want that too. That's why I died on the cross, so I can make a way for you to be with me. I was reading a bit of a Derek Prince book the other day. It's a booklet, to be honest. It's six chapters, and that's like a good step for me. And Derek Prince made this statement that he'd been a Christian for a long time. He'd preached in over 50 nations before he had his real first encounter with the Father's heart. And he, he'd preached on the Father's heart. He had great theology around the Father's heart, but he hadn't fully experienced it. And he says, this is what happens is Jesus came because he, he died for us. And Jesus says, I am the way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, the problem is, is that most Christians meet Jesus and then they spend the rest of their life living in the way and they never actually get to the destination, which is the Father. They never actually arrive at that place of intimacy with the Father. They're good people, they love God, but they just have, you know, basically we've got stuff in our life that is taking up real estate that the Father's wanting to fill. So this is, this is us, and we're all in different stages, okay? We're all in different stages of having stuff in our life that we go, God, I, I need to create room for you. So part of that shout this morning Well, it's creating room for God. It's breaking down those walls so there's more space for Him to fill. So obviously, someone who has just got nothing going on in their life, they've just arrived. I don't know anybody that looks like this, okay? Um, I think I'm probably, hopefully, more like this, not like this. I'm working to becoming this. And one day, who knows, okay? So we just imagine, we go, God, I want more of you. He goes, okay, I'm gonna pour myself out because the Bible says that He pours Himself without measure, He's a generous God. He says he pours his spirit out and he pours it without measure, which means that he has just got a bottomless tap going and he just pours continuously. The problem is, is that we've got all this stuff in our life and it doesn't take long and we actually can't contain much. as okay, Josh Rainer, will watch this for you later. Hey, babe. <laughs> She's like, <"Pfft>, Whatever. <laughs> And then, so then what we do is we go, God, okay, we're going to start dealing with some issues, okay? We're going to deal with some things. And he goes, great. We hand some stuff over to God. We humble ourselves. We, we get some of the pain, some of the trauma. We put it at the foot of the cross. We receive healing. And it's like God scoops out an element of that junk in our life. And all of a sudden, we've got more room. And so now we can fill up, we can carry more of His presence so we get more intimacy. And as we go on our journey of maturity, He keeps taking more and more things out from our life as we surrender things to Him. But what He's not going to do, as Josh alluded to, He's not just going to come one night when you're sleeping against your will and start scooping stuff out of your life that you've held on to. Because He gives us He gives us free will. So He gives us spiritual authority to hold on to the dirt in our life or to release it. And what our goal is, part of our goal here at Activate, as we move towards intimacy, and Josh was chatting, you know, last week, it will cost you something, What the cost is is actually the vulnerability that you need to go through to hand over that dirt in your life to God so that we can keep progressing to being a vessel that is totally emptied out of all of the things of this world so that we can be totally filled up with the presence of God. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's what I want to talk around this morning. This illustration ends now because I actually just want to drink some water um, and there's not enough for this last cup to overflow. And it looks like God ran out and that's just poor theology. (laughs) And so jumping back to humility, the thing that I felt that God said this morning, you know, the bit of dirt that he wanted to go after, that he wanted to highlight in us, that is taking up real estate that he wants to fill. And it's not about him ever pointing the finger going, hey, I don't like that. Because the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Whoever opens the door, he'll come in and he'll eat with them. So his heart is always to come in and establish relationship, not to look around the walls and go, man, you haven't painted that very well. You haven't even finished your skirting board. Okay, That's what you know, builders say when they come into my house the whole time because it's 98% finished. Every builder goes, yeah, when are you going to finish your house? Jesus doesn't do that. He just wants to come in. What he does want to do is he wants to be real and say, hey, you know what? I want to fill up more space. Let's just have a real conversation. This is taking up space. That's where conviction comes in. He begins to convict us. He goes, that's taking up space. If you'd humble yourself and give that over to me, we could create more room for us to be together and we're gonna take this wedge out and we're gonna have more intimacy. It's never about accusation. It's just about actual Reality, God going, you know what? We can't have intimacy when this is in the room. We've got to make space. And so the dirt that we want to highlight this morning to give Holy Spirit the opportunity to to speak into our life around is the dirt of pride. Because pride is an incredible barrier in relationship. Because what pride does, it continually takes our focus onto ourselves. And it's really difficult to build intimacy with someone when you're really self-absorbed. You know, it's really hard for me to become great friends with Abel. Every time I hang out with Abel, I just talk about myself. And that's what pride does. We get into the presence of God and we start becoming aware of everything that's wrong in our life. And it's really hard to connect with God, to be real with God, to be vulnerable with God, because we start becoming aware of everything that's wrong with us because we've got pride that continues to point the magnifying glass back on ourselves. So I'm going to read out a couple of Bible stories this morning. And then at the end, we're going to have an opportunity where we get to lay down some pride before God to create room for more of a spirit. So the first story I want to kick off with is in, is in Two Kings. And this story is about Naaman, who's this great general of an enemy nation of Israel. He's a great strategic leader, uh, but he's got a problem and that he discovers he's got leprosy. And then a slave girl in his house who was actually from Israel goes, hey, I know of a great prophet called Elisha and he serves the one true God and he could heal you. So Naaman goes, great. I'm gonna travel across the land, seek out the man of God. He's gonna do some great Gandalf wizardry and heal me. And this is what it says in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse nine. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. This dude thinks he's a pretty big deal. Elisha is not that impressed and doesn't even bother coming to the door to meet him. You know, if you're a great general, that's really gonna rub you the wrong way. Elisha sends a messenger to the door, says to Naaman, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abner and Farpa the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I watch in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. I love that Josh brought out earlier that often God's strategies don't make logical sense to us. You know, who would have thought that walking around the walls of Jericho quietly and then yelling really loudly could bring down a fortress stronghold? Uh, Josh and I have a bit of a saying sometimes we talk about, that the more dumber the idea, possibly the more godder the idea. Not always. Not always. <laughs> Hence the word possibly my disclaimer. Naaman's servants went to him, to Naaman, and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So... He went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as a man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. You know, it's amazing when we actually allow ourselves to be humbled instead of having our own idea of what God should do. Have you ever noticed, um, if you've got kids, your kids have always got a really great idea of what it is as parents that you should be doing? And how you should be parenting, especially when it comes to fairness between siblings. I and mean, my kids have got a great idea of what it is that I should be doing anytime I'm trying to correct somebody else's perhaps You should send them outside and lock the doors. That's what you should do. Why are you hugging them when they've been so naughty? That's not fair. Last time I was naughty, you made me do push ups. You know, we've always got an idea of what God should do. And so Naaman's experience there he's got his idea of how this God of power should manifest. And God's going, well, you know what? I'm just going to do this one thing because it's really going to challenge the pride in your life. And that pride is the barrier to you getting your breakthrough. There's, there's been times that God has, and I'm not saying that I don't have pride because I've got a lot of pride because I'm pretty self-absorbed. And I know that because one of my biggest stra- struggles is, is thinking that people are looking at me whether I'm going to be successful, whether I'm going to fail in my work. And I wouldn't have that if I didn't have pride in my life, because that's just a, an insecurity that's, that comes out of pride. But God has taken me through some moments where he's, he's wanted to take pride out so I can move from this amount, sort of down to this to create more room for Him. And they're always kind of mean kind of really stupid things. I remember one time, I don't know if I've shared this story here before, I was in church, there was about 15, worship's going off, and it's a great time. And God goes, hey, I want you to go up the front and the altar while everyone's worshiping, I want you to start doing push-ups. I'm like, Mmm, that's really stupid. I don't want to do that. You know, sometimes God talks to you, you get kind of that, oh, feeling in your stomach, like you know you meant to do it, you really don't want to do it. And eventually, I'm just up the front doing these push-ups, and I'm like, why am I doing this? This is stupid. Nothing's happening. But what was actually happening was God was saying, are you prepared to look stupid for me? Does pleasing me matter more to you than the way you look in front of other people? And fear of man is just being uh, inch by inch taken out of my life as I allow myself to look stupid for my Father's pleasure. And I don't think there's anything great beyond it, other than God saying, "Hey, would you? Are you prepared to look dumb for me?" And as you do this, pride is actually being broken off your life. You're creating space for me. Another time, <laughs> um, if you like flag waving, that's great, and I, I'm not knocking it at all. I just have a flag waving story because, for me personally, it, it, sometimes it weirds me out. Um, as a guy, it's just not something that I am personally interested in investing my time into. I know a lot of people think there's a great spiritual things around it, signifies things, that's great. Just to me, not my cup of tea. And I was at a conference at a prophetic school in the States, and there are these ladies doing this flag waving. Wow, oh, that's great. And then this guy who just has got no shame gets up, grabs the flag, and he's dancing around flag waving. And I looked and I thought, and in my heart, I went, Pfft, looks like a girl. You know, and I like, just like, uh. and then God went really quickly. um, It's a really rude, arrogant thing to think, Jared. Like, that's very judgmental. I went, yeah, I'm sorry. And he goes, yeah, show me that you're sorry. (laughs) What? He goes, go over there, grab a flag, and you flag wave for me. And I'm like, "Mm, that's so dumb. Not doing that. Way too, not that.
1: So I go over and I'm
0: like, wow, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to pick the girliest flag there is because I want to have to do this twice. So I grab this big pink flag and I'm like, wee Jesus. And I'm like dying on the inside, dying. Like, this is like, oh my gosh, this is not me. And as I'm doing it, all of a sudden, it's like God showed me an element of how my middle child is wired. And I all of a sudden had this clarity of the way that she connects with God, and I just I got an understanding about an element of my family and my family culture doing something that I was so embarrassed to do. Someone a wee while later offered to take me on a flag waving class, and I politely declined. <laughs> and then another time, okay, just I'm in church. And there's a guest preacher, and I didn't really like this guy because uh, a year ago—I don't know if I've shared this story. I lose track of where I share stories, but this, I didn't like this guy because a year ago he prayed for me, and he was like really amped, and he like was went to pray for me, kind of just like pushed me over, and that really pushed my buttons because I didn't like that. Um, I was like, "No, oh, push me over! Oh, made me fall over! You push me over!" And so he was coming back a year later, and I was like, "I'm not going to church." I'm skipping, and the guy was like, no, you go to church. I'm like, fine, I'll go sulk at the back. Anyway, I end up on the front row, and I'm like, oh, and this guy's getting really fired up, and because I'm on the front row, he keeps walking past and hitting me on the leg. And I'm just like, Matt, I don't like this guy. I don't like you. I want to punch you in the throat. I'll find you in the car park afterwards and I'll pray for you, you know. yeah." <laughs> But he was like 70, so that's like elderly abuse. Reminds me of the time when someone who was actually 70 challenged me to a boxing fight in a ring. And that was not a God thing at all. And he just punched me over and over and everybody was laughing because I couldn't hit him back. And then he got really annoyed they would to fight him back. And he just jabbed me in the kidneys so hard and then whipped my head back with a jab. Um, this is a different story. We'll tell you that another day. That's oh, I got te- I still get teased about that. Got beat up by seventy yards. Anyway, this guy's like hitting me in the leg. I'm getting more and more annoyed. And then he gets Garth Chenpoi from City Church. He's sitting next to me at the time. This is another church, another of these ones. And he goes, "You two, I want you to come up here. And he wants you to pray in tongues in the microphone." And I'm like, oh man, I don't like this guy. And this is now I'm in front of three hundred people, and now the guy I don't like is telling me to do something. And this is where I like, you know. Physical obedience can bring a spiritual release. I had the worst attitude. Sometimes we think we've got to have the perfect attitude and line everything just right. Man, God's got a lot of grace for us. He has got so much grace. It's like, man, if you would just, just give me an inch, you would be amazed at when I come around you how much soil I can excavate out of your life in one moment. If you would just open the door a crack and say, Jesus, have a look, don't judge me too harshly, it's a mess in here. He's like, I brought KFC, let's have a party. And so this guy goes, praying tongues into the mic, and I'm like, oh, I don't want praying tongues in the mic, I'm punching the face. So I just start going, (laughs) and then he shakes me, and in front of everybody goes, what are you doing, boy? Don't pray like a boy, pray like a man. And I was like, my blood is boiling. So now, like, there is no Christian attitude left. I don't know if you can pray in tongues while carrying a spirit of hatred, but i mastered it, I tell you. So I grab the mic, and I just start yelling in tongues, which, if you don't know what that is, that's a spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit, different to the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Um, I wasn't operating any of the fruit, just the gift, okay? So I'm just full. I just start ranting in tongues. Next thing I know, Holy Spirit grabs me, I get thrown back, twisted sideways. I have electricity from God pulsating through my body, and my body starts bouncing along the chairs. Somehow at this point, Garth has decided to sit down. And now my body pulsates, and I'm lying across his lap, shaking. And he's going, ugh, ugh but something of the holy spirit ignited in me and it was a catalyst changing moment like it Pivoted my relationship with God. It took so many areas of my life that were totally dead and all of a sudden they burst into life. I had this energy and this passion for the presence of God that I could never have conjured on my own. It just exploded. The next night I went to church and I sat for three hours in the presence of God, just hungry to experience Him again. And then I did that week after week after week for about six months or something. I would just sit Monday night for like two to three hours waiting to experience him, just a little bit of physical obedience, with even the, the, like an angry attitude, but yet I surrendered a fraction of pride, and Holy Spirit came in with his dig and went, you know what, let's take a big chunk out, now there's room that I can fill, and I will fill it so much that I throw you across the room, and now you're lying across your friend's lap, and it looks weird, but it changed my life because I surrendered just an element of pride and I did it in a terrible way. But God's so good. I wanna share one last story and then we're gonna get the band back up. I love this story. This story is about King David. And this is in the, in the book of 2 Samuel. What I love about King David is he was, lived in the Old Testament where there wasn't a whole lot of room for intimate relationship with God. He had such a heart connection that he lived like Jesus Christ had already died for him and come back to life. He was living in this incredible revelation and had such a deep intimacy. And so this story is when they're bringing uh, the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And this is chapter, um, chapter 6, verse 14. A lot of you will know this story. And this is about the king. And he says, wearing a linen ephod, which is kind of like a silk nighty. It's kind of what that would look like, okay? So, imagine this king wearing a silk nightie. It says, "Wearing a linen ephod." Hashtag silk nightie. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark, and the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Jump forward a few verses. Into verse twenty, it says this: When David returned home to bless his household. Mikal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Mikal, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone else from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. I almost fell over backwards when saying undignified. That would have been awesome. I will celebrate before the Lord and I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you've spoken of, I will be held in honor. David became so vulnerable that he, he, he outlaid his life in the book of Psalms as public songs for the whole nation to sing about all of his struggles, all of his failings, like totally humiliates himself as the king to give God honor and glory. David had such a realization that his dignity was worth nothing. His dignity had no value when compared to intimacy with God. And ultimately, that's what our choice comes to Ben, you guys can get back up. Is that we can, we can choose to have dignity, or we can choose to have intimacy. We can have the the dignity that God provides us, where we become His righteousness, and we become Christ like, and we can and we become pure. Or we can have dignity that the world offers, where we do everything and we're just proper, and we never embarrass ourselves. We never do anything that would make people look at us weirdly. And we can fill our lives up with dirt and we can port walls up and we can have that type of dignity or we can be like David and go, you know what, that type of dignity has no value to me. I know I've got pride in my life, but I'm prepared to humiliate myself in spite of my pride to create room for God to move around my life. We're we doing for time. 11.30. 11.30. having a God moment. Just give me a second. Not a great multitasker. I remember actually I wrote down what to do because I prayed about it. Okay, so I had this blank. There we go. Yeah. I want to just give us the opportunity this morning to go back into a time of worship. Not for very long. We'll, we'll do it for this amount of time, okay? That amount. And, and to just surrender your pride before God, to, to lay it down and, and to worship Him as though He and you are the only ones in the room. And if, if this is something that you're super comfortable with, then, then that's great. There might be another area of pride that you actually might need to lay down. There might be somebody that. Has been holding a fence with you that you need to go and ask them for their forgiveness. Or you might be someone that you need to go release from your judgment and actually humble yourself and go before uh, another Christian or a family member, someone and go, Hey, I've wronged you. I need to humble myself because I can't carry this pride and carry intimacy at the same time. I have one or the other. You might be carrying some some shame in your life that is just locking you down and you go, man, I need to... I need to confess this to somebody and we'll have a ministry team up the front and you can come up and Denise will be here if you're one of the women, you can chat to Denise if you're one of the guys, you can chat to Josh or girls, you can chat to Liz and, and, and go man I've just got stuff that I've been carrying shame around, I just need to humble myself and confess this with you before the Lord so that that dirt can be removed to create space for the Holy Spirit to fill because He is hungry, hungry for territory in your soul to fill. Well, for you, you might be the type of person that just likes to look proper in worship and already that's been uncomfortable for you today. So I want to give you the invitation to continue to extend that journey of going, you know what, I'm prepared to be humiliated in my own eyes that I would lay down my pride and give my King the proper worship and receive intimacy from Him. So as we worship, I just want to invite you, you can come up to the front and just worship God for this amount of time and just totally lay yourself out before Him. Go, God, I'm prepared to be undignified before You. I, I want to give You all praise all honour and glory. And you don't need to try and do that for the sake of doing it. You just might just want to pop on your knees and just be real and have a real conversation. Say, God, this is the dirt of my life. And if you feel like he needs you to share that with one of the people on the ministry team, then go do that. Because it's another stage of stepping into humility, of bringing that into the light, disempowering that dirt so it can be removed from knocking that wall down.